Whoa! Hello! Welcome to episode 129. Guys, I can't do it. Uh, 129 of Big Trouble Little Podcast. I'm Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. And I'm Max Zorin. <laughs> Imagine Zach if you're doing that the whole episode. Uh, you know. I'll do it. Don't don't say I won't. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, we're gonna be talking about a view to a kill, not a view to kill, which would have been cool to say uh, as a uh, movie title, but I guess we'll do it the other way. Um, the last Roger Moore film, and then we're going to rank the Roger Moore films, and then we're going to talk about our next uh, line of movies for December, since we're getting into the Christmas and holiday edition. Um, but before we get into that, guys, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? I think I'll go first, since I have a buttload. Um, or change. So, you been playing yeah. all the new-gen new games? Um, I actually downloaded the Gears 5 because uh, it upscaled to the Series X, and it's fucking good. <laughs> like, the uh, latency is easier to kill people now. I, I mean, it might be an advantage for me uh, with the Series X killing people that are probably on Xbox One or PC if they don't have it's the It's 120 frames per second now, right? Yeah. So That's, that's a lot of extra frames. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's cool. Um, <laughs> Xbox needs games. So uh, I'm getting for Christmas Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So that's going to be on my Xbox. Uh, and then hopefully I'll get uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales for PS5. Uh, I actually heard good things about the Tetris game on Xbox. Uh, the new Tetris game. I forgot what it's called, but apparently... The music. Oh is fun. yeah, no, it's a uh, it's Tetris Effect something. I can't remember. Tetris Effect was previously exclusive to <clears> just uh, PlayStation Four, and it had like a VR mode. And the game's great. I I, I have it on PlayStation. Yeah, it's but on game. Now they've added like a multiplayer mode, and it's exclusive to Xbox that version now. I don't know. The, the, their Twitter account talks about it all the damn time. Yeah, it's on Game Pass, uh, and but it's made by Enhanced Studios, who's headed up by uh, uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi, the guy who made Res and a bunch of other kick-ass games. And I heard if you wear like 3D audio headphones, it sounds amazing. So that's my goal for Christmas when I get money from Gam Gam. I'm gonna be uh, purchasing me a 3D audio headset for my Xbox and PS5. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, to movies, though. Uh, since I went over to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, me and my dad watched a line of movies. Uh, I, actually, I'm going to recommend this movie to you guys. I'll link you the trailer, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the name. Imaginarium? Um, it's an indie film. Uh, it actually has a metal band called Nightwish in it. And the uh, there is... The, the, the storyline is... Old guys is having dementia. He's losing his memories, so he falls into a coma, and he he's he's a little boy trapped in his memories, trying to m remember something. And Nightwish, uh, the band in the movie, uh, has some interesting music to it, and it's actually pretty good. So I, I highly recommend it. I saw them live once. They were they were pretty entertaining. Yeah, they're they're entertaining in this movie as well. Uh, I watched actually a 
directly Nicolas Cage movie and an indirect <laughs> Nicolas Cage movie because I was like, wow, I didn't know Nicolas Cage was in this movie. Uh, so I'll start off with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so I watched USS Indianapolis, uh, the one where in World War II they were delivering the atom bomb uh, secretly, and then it sunk, and then the sharks, you know, were eating up the crew and shit. Uh, Nicholas Cage would, uh, played the captain in that. Uh, it was a good film. Uh, my dad had like fucking twelve beers and started to cry because he's a Navy guy and he knows about like Band of Brothers and stuff. So it's a kind of sad movie if you're into, um, you know, if you you served and you know what you know being a brother like in the Navy or Army. Uh, it's a good film. Uh, the indirect movie was the Snowden film with uh, Joseph Le- uh, Levitt Gordon. Uh, was that good? I really want to see that. It's good. Um, it's kind of on the long side, uh, but pretty much, you know, that like interview where they, he finally comes out and says, I have all this shit about America pretty much spying on people. It starts off with that interview and it goes flashback on how he was with the CIA, uh, the NSA and all that stuff. It was it was entertaining. Uh, I think I think more than that, I just want to watch a documentary about the guy, but I might watch that, too. Yeah, and then I, I'm going along with this uh, political stuff here. Uh, we watched this movie. I forgot the name of it. God, but it has Jeremy Renner in it. Uh, and it's about the reporter who uh, pretty much said that, that the CIA was fucking trafficking uh, drugs into America and pretty much uh, going to Nicaragua and messing around with the Civil War over there. Uh, and pretty much the FBI was fucking around with uh, this reporter called, uh, not George, was it George Wells? I think it was George Wells. That was a good film, too. Uh, it just made me angry about our government being assholes. Uh, uh, and then I saw one other movie. Oh, my dad picked a movie, and it was garbage, but it had Bruce Willis in it, and I thought it would be great. Um, it was called Hard Kill. It's on That's Netflix. weird. I had a friend that just watched that, too, recently, and he's like, it sucked. It was terrible, dude. Like I was like, "All right, Bruce Willis is in the movie, right? Mm. It's gonna be, it's gonna be at least a decent, you know, uh, fun action movie to watch." <laughs> Fucking terrible. Fucking. I mean, the, what's up? The dude is in Hudson Hawk. Just because he's in a movie doesn't mean it's gonna be good. No, but like when Bruce Willis is in it, you're like, maybe he's gonna do some like. Die Hardish or Red or like fucking Pulp Fiction kind of stuff in it. Uh, it doesn't need to be that caliber of a movie, but it's going to be entertaining to watch. This movie was nothing like that. Uh, Bruce Willis was there. He was like this corporate guy, and he was like whiny, uh, and he's like need to save my daughter. I, I I bet you most of the budget went to pretty much Bruce Willis to pay his contract because the movie was just held in like a abandoned uh, warehouse. Uh, and there was like, does he a, kill anyone hard? Um, he kills a couple people, but it was about like a group of mercenaries and shit. And it was very, hey, what's up? when was it made? 2020, I think. Oh, uh, if, if it's like a, a more current Bruce Willis films, eh, you may as well write it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I highly uh, do not recommend it. And I think there was one more movie that I watched. Uh, it wasn't memorable, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I watched some wrestling before we did this episode, and I'll leave that for getting some color. Uh, 
Zach, what have you been playing, watching, or doing? Well, uh, I've been playing. Uh, I beat Super Mario sixty four recently. Um, Yay! Finally, it's my first Mario game I ever beat. Uh, let's see, I've also I had my brother stayed over for a couple days for Thanksgiving, and we were just kind of goofing off, playing old games. Played a lot of SmackDown two and PS one. Uh, then I also have been, I picked back up the original Tomb Raider and I'm going through that now. Um, as for watching things, not much, uh, just, uh, I did watch the Gundam origin, the, the other two that were left, the Chronicle of Loam. That was pretty good stuff. Those are, I mean, the animation in them is so stellar, and I keep wanting to be like, man, these are really good movies. But, like, after a while, do they, to you, do they get, like, a tiny bit boring? I don't want to criticize them too heavily, but. It depends. They're not all, like, great, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, one thing I noticed in these two was, like, it got a little silly in one one of them for, for a little too long. Like I thought this stuff with Dozel was like he's being like really over the top. Yeah, they and really he, wanted that character to be a big deal. Yeah, I'm like, I, I mean, why couldn't he just be like how he was in the show? Just like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, other than that, is is fine. Like I, the second one was great when it started out because it was part of that huge battle, and then it was just right. kind of like tailed off halfway through and it was just kind of like yeah this stuff happens it's like oh, okay i guess it's been bothering me with some some more recent gundam stuff that it's all like it, it's getting by on how great and anim- great it looks great and like the fights are choreographed really well like gundam narrative was a movie i really liked but man the plot is just like barely there it's just this awful framework for them to hang all these big fights on. And that's cool. I understand it's Gundam. It's not like, it's not fucking breaking bad. I don't expect like a huge intricate dramatic story, but man, they could try. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Hathaway's flash is good though, because it's based on a novel, which is apparently actually a really cool story. I also thought it was weird that they made Garma like super emotional and shit. I'm like, he wasn't, he didn't come off that way in the show. Why he's making, you're making like a huge baby and he's like got this huge chip on his shoulder. They like started redoing all the manga and now there's a lot of revisionist Gundam history and, and, and retconning and I know more shit to make sure like a fucking lunatic. But that, that's, I digress. That's a whole other. Yeah. We, we could talk about Gundam this whole goddamn show. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much all I've done other than watch this movie, though. All right, Andy, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? Um, I start. I was watching a bunch of YouTube, and I got like way down. It's mostly because of Cybershell. He's a YouTuber who does a bunch of stuff about Sonic the Hedgehog specifically. And he has a new video recently, uh, Sonic Three bonus video, which is full of really interesting stuff. But uh, I went down a rabbit hole of not just him, but some other YouTubers, and one of them was talking about the Sonic the Hedgehog comic that IDW is putting out. I remember when it was announced, but I was like, yeah, who cares? Cause you know, they took it from Archie and gave it to IDW, but it's still written by this Flynn guy who was writing for Archie. Anyway, and I saw some YouTube videos that were like describing the story in broad strokes. And I was like, that sounds kind of interesting. I wonder if it's expensive and on Amazon, it costs like nothing. So I bought some of the trade paperbacks, like on a weird whim one night. And I've been reading those and it's actually a really fun comic to read. It, it reminds me a lot of, of comics I read when I was younger because I, I fucked ton of the Archie 
Sonic comics. But yeah, the Sonic comic from IDW is actually really good. I kind I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, a bunch of games were on sale. Uh, the only one really worth mentioning that I bought because I bought a bunch of games on my Switch was Ruiner. It's uh, it's like a cyberpunk. It's a twin stick shooter kind of, and you're like mm-hmm. a robot assassin, and someone's controlling you from from further away. I haven't got, got that far in the story yet, but so far it's really fun. It's uh, it's got a cyberpunk aesthetic, and it's it's kind of a twin stick shooter, but also you can melee, and it's hard to describe, but it, it gets a recommend from me. Um, I watched Tokyo Godfather. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. We almost had to watch it for the podcast but i had just watched it so i decided not to do it uh it's directed by uh satoshi or satoichi whatever cone uh one of my favorite anime directors and uh it's incredibly good and i recommend it too but the main thing i wanted to talk about was we had two weeks off so i i felt like maybe i should do something with my time instead of just like horsing around watching youtube and playing all the same video games i've already played <clears throat> So I started Twin Peaks one night, just like out of nowhere. Oh, and nice. The first time I'd watched Twin Peaks, it's like I liked it, but I didn't love it. I didn't really get into it. And I've been telling people, like, I don't know if I like Twin Peaks. I like David Lynch's movies, except Inland Empire and blah, blah, blah. And, like, being really wishy-washy about it. But this time, I, like, really fell in love with it. Like, I was watching, like, four or five episodes a day. I'm not that far Um my girlfriend was here for several days this last weekend over Thanksgiving weekend. And I was like, I really want to watch twin peaks. And she was like, well, then we have to start it over. Cause I want to see all of it. And I was almost like, okay, let's do it. But I decided not to. So I haven't, I haven't been watching much of it, but I'm on episode 11 of season two. They just caught the killer. And then he died in the cell. I don't, I don't want to say spoilers, but it's like 20 years old. So I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, more than that now. <laughs> you know yeah. I think you're up to the part where pretty much David Lynch said because uh, the uh, CBS, I think, was the network or whatever, or ABC. I don't know. Who cares? It's a network. They were like, we need to find a killer. We need to f- get closure for you know uh, Laura, Laura Palmer. And David Lynch was like, well, you know, since we're gonna do that, I I quit the show. And I think that that's where you're at uh, 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 right now. It's still it's still entertaining. Like it it felt like what the fuck this is episode 10. Why are they wrapping this plot up? There's like 12 more episodes. But there's yeah. still a bunch of open threads like um Catherine had disappeared after the mill burned down and like what's going to happen with uh um uh, I, th- there's all these other plots, but I didn't care about them as much. But now they're they're kind of getting back into it cuz internal affairs is there and they're like mad at coop for for going to canada or whatever but anyway i'm finally watch that <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get back into it. i think um really if i could say anything about the show it's that if you want to watch it i kind of recommend watching it alone because it has like a thousand characters and it's so easy to like start getting them confused all the time and like i have to like every time when there's characters on screen i always have to be like that's Bobby Briggs. Major Briggs is his dad. He used to date Laura. Now he doesn't. Now he's with a chick from the diner whose name I can't remember. She was with Leo. He's in a coma. Like you got, you got to like remember all this shit every time. I'm, I, but I watched so many episodes back to back to back to back. 
I can do it now. But I couldn't imagine watching this week to week back when it was coming out. Every week I would be like, who's this blonde chick? There's like three, six blonde chicks in this movie or in the show. I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> it's weird because a lot of characters I hated are becoming interesting. And some of the interesting characters like haven't done anything in a while. Like uh, uh, Big Ed was really interesting. And now he's just like babysitting his crazy wife all the time. And he's boring <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say season three is fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, I, it, I'm gonna, I, I I fucked up because the movie was on sale recently, and I was like, oh, I'll buy it before it's not fifty percent off anymore. And now it's like back up to full price, and I was like, oh, shit, what am I gonna do now? So I don't know. I, I I'm gonna get the movie, and I know it comes first chronologically, but I feel like if you watch it after the series, maybe it's more rewarding. Yeah, yeah, because I've seen it before, and I remember being like. Uh, I think I know what's going on here, but now I'm going to watch it and like understand. And then I'll watch season three. I'll, I'll pay for a month of uh, what is it? Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you like it enough, the Blu-ray is probably cheaper at this point. Oh, really? Oh, I'll yeah. just do that. Thing. I just buy the Blu-ray instead of a month of Showtime. What, what I think it's funny is like after season two, what David Lynch does with it when he comes back to the show, um, because it's like a cliffhanger, um, which you'll see. Uh, and then they're just like, <laughs> instead of just like making a movie explaining what happened he just like made a movie explaining a prequel it's it's funny so making it even more. did you guys see supposedly he signed on to to produce a series for netflix it's called like wisteria or something like that i've heard something about that yeah i there's there's very little details it's just that it exists and netflix is doing it and he's gonna produce and or write and or direct it I saw two different articles, and one of them said produce and direct, and the other one said write, direct, produce. So already conflicting shit. I don't know what's going on. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, whatever he makes, I'm interested in seeing it. <laughs> I, I genuinely thought he was just never going to create again, though. Like, I really thought that they had to, like, drag him back kicking and sh- screaming and chain him to the set of Twin Peaks Season 3. And it just kind of seemed like he doesn't want to create things anymore, which sucks. I mean, but I, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope we actually get this and it's compelling and it's not just like it's not it's not just a ten episode version of what did Jack do? <laughs> Which or, I did enjoy. What did Jack do is very entertaining. It's like twenty minutes and it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Or, you know, it's just videos of him giving weather reports <laughs> on Netflix. Today's yeah, like, weather sunny. Like, be weird, sure, but, you know, weird with a point. That's always been David Lynch's cool thing. And sometimes you, you can't figure out what the point is, but I think that's what makes it so profound, is that you're like, I don't get it. The beginning of the movie is the end, and he drives somewhere, and I don't know, there's a jazz club for some reason, and uh, I, I don't, there's a Nine Inch Nails song at some point, I don't understand. Is it about life? So I, that's kind of what David Lynch is all about. I think we need, um, and I guess... This is me giving ideas of what we could do in the future. I think we need a David Lynch month. Yeah, I've seen. Have I seen every movie he's made? I think I've seen every movie he's made. I haven't seen everyone yet, but we should see the straight story. How's that to diffuse expectations? (laughs) It's a good movie, but it's like you know, it's not very David Lynchy. We'll watch the straight story, Dune, and. I don't know what's what's the other like undavid Lynchiest movie. I don't know something else. <laughs> other than that, anything else besides Twin Peaks? 
No, nah, Twin Peaks was the big one, and like, like I said, Sonic Comic was unexpectedly cool. Ruiner's really good. If it's still on sale, pick it up. It's like 50% off right now. Tokyo Godfather's just great. And I watched and played some other stuff, but nothing worth bringing up. All right. I guess it's time to get into the finale of the Roger Moore 007 movies, A View to a Kill. Um, one thing I want to get off the my chest real quick is that I'm theme song rips. Yes. Yes. That that's not <laughs> I love Duran Duran though. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. I already sorry. I sorry. I, I didn't know if that's what you were gonna say, but that's what I would have gone. Well that that was that was gonna be one of my positives, but I was gonna start I was gonna start off with a kind of a negative for me. Uh I'm all 007 doubt. Uh I like Sean Connery. Uh I think Roger Moore was a roller coaster. Uh, I just don't find him interesting as James Bond. Uh, maybe people back then did, um, but me watching his movies was almost like a chore for me. I, th- I told you guys coming into it, he's already my least favorite. But I'm not. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for Dalton. I, I know we've we've got shit planned for two months plus down the road. So you know, don't get too excited for Timothy Dalton uh, podcast fans, but. I, I'm ready. Like I'd watch it next week. I almost watched Casino Royale the other night, and I, I'm thinking about watching all this other stuff. I just like these movies. Mm. I'm kind of glad to get Roger Moore out of the way though, because yeah, now it's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get better. And then there's like a lull kind of, and halfway through Pierce Brosnan, and then it goes right back up. Yeah, and uh, t- two positives I want to get out of the way for the movie is one Duran Duran. I think this is one of my favorite Bond theme songs out of all of them so far. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I'm a fan of Duran Duran, just like Zach is. So uh, that's gonna be my number one. Number two is Christopher Walken. <laughs> now he does have funny lines, but I do want to say him as a villain. He was a fucking psychopath uh, to the point, literally, like the, according to the plot of the movie, he literally is he's a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's psychotic. <laughs> that's the side effect of his his make smart injections or whatever his 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 iq steroids yeah Yeah. that's weird that's it's so out of nowhere too yeah like when you read the plot at first it's like he's a result of like a nazi experiment but then you find out like he was affiliated with the kgb like Uh he got out of like i guess russia it's like i like that i like i like the whole he was trained by the kgb and he came over from he came over the wall or whatever and became a wealthy industrialist. I like that kind of stuff, but I, I the the weird German scientist with the monocle and he's like using steroids on horses to win races and stuff. It feels so disjointed from a lot of what's going on in the rest of the movie. They were just like, also Nazis. Like, wait, what? What did that have to do with the ultimate plot of what he was trying? I guess Almost he was nothing. money on the side, but not that much. He's like that. That horse will sell for three million dollars, and it's like that's not that much. It's like nothing to him. Yeah. Did you notice that uh, kind of Goldfinger and him had the similar uh, like plot? Yes, yes, yes. I, I think that that's one of this movie's. Um, some people consider it a negative, and some people are like, "Oh, it's like a homage or whatever." But uh, at this point, Bond is already starting to imitate Bond. It's been that long, and it it just gets worse from here, both for better and for worse. But it's very much like oh, I'm gonna get all these scumbags together, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show them my model, and then we're gonna talk about all the money we're gonna make. 
<laughs> I forgot. I, I forgot. I forgot what scene where I laughed out loud, but it was. I was kind of like, "Holy shit! He's he's really a fucking psychopath." Well, the one psychopath scene is where he's shooting at his workers in a fucking cave area. Yeah, that's uh, fucked up. And then the other one, the guy was like, "So what's gonna happen to me?" And he's like, "You're gonna die!" And then he shoots him in the chest. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was I, it was hilarious, but I'm like, whoa, like. All the other Bond villains, they build up to the point where, like, they're like, oh, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And then they surprise you with that bullet. Him was like a holy shit moment. I don't know how to explain it. Like, they seem more generic as a villain. And him was different out of the He's whole He's a lot more bombastic. I mean, being yeah. played by Christopher Walken will lend itself to that immediately. Like he's a bombastic actor. He's he's outrageous and he emotes and he's got that way of talking. But I one thing I hated about the character though, Zorin, is like you know he's the bad guy like right out of the gate. And mm. I really didn't like because like he picks her up in the boat himself after she assassinates Bond's informant in Paris with a fishing hook. That, yeah, I guess like, it was poisoned. That, that's fine. Like she kills the guy, and then there's a fun chase to the top of it, and then the, that car chase is pretty cool. While like, the car gets chopped in half, and it's like screwy. But... How's it running? <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah. the, it's a front wheel drive car, and the engine's in the front. But where's the fuel? That's in the, the back. Yeah. <laughs> no, the fuel's in the front too. I, I could be. I don't. know. It's a weird European car in the early eighties. <laughs> Maybe it was, but and then like he's there doing his own dirty work in a speedboat, picking up his assassin. That seemed so weird to me. Yeah, he's like Largo. What annoys me about some of the Roger Moore films is the villains see each other. The, the villain or like the henchman or a villain themselves see Bond face to face, like in the beginning of the movie. But then they act like nothing happens. Like even Mayday, yeah. Mayday, like throughout, like, like when they meet with uh, Zoran. Well, she says at that one point, I've seen him somewhere, but I can't remember. And then yeah, but later, her... she said, oh, it's him at the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, it takes a really long time, um, which is retarded because, like, it's 007, right? Yeah, she she fought him, like, right in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were face-to-face, -face, basically. Um, the Bond girl, uh, the one in the house, I forget her name, the blonde hair, not the Russian. Stacey Sutton. Something Sutton. Yeah, it's yeah. S. Sutton. That's what's Stacey. on the scene. So one thing that kind of annoys me, and I, I think because I hate movements, I hate any type of movements, and I believe in the 80s, that's when they started doing feminist kind of stuff, like hardcore feminists, like strong female independent women. Taking over the Teamsters. <laughs> I laughed at that, though. Yeah, it was funny. That's a funny line. She's wearing heels. Yeah, they, like, show, they show her wearing the heels. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. It doesn't so, make sense though. Like, wouldn't wearing heels be the opposite of of women's liberation? Because it like it doesn't doesn't heels like sexual? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, Mayday's fucking. I, I like her. Um, she's strong. Uh, yeah, she's can we talk about how great Grace Jones is in this movie? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. She's she's so interesting. I I wish she had more lines, but she doesn't have lines in anything, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Stacy, on the other hand, like in the beginning when she's in the, the mansion with the shotgun and stuff, kind of like gets the hand on uh, James Bond. Like he goes into the bathroom and he she's like in a closet with a shotgun. Uh, yeah. She's acting all tough. And then throughout the rest of the fucking movie, she's a fucking annoying 
biatch uh which i'm like isn't she supposed to be strong like what's happening here yeah the uh, movie can't wait to get rid of her either because it's like immediately like okay she gets away and now bond and mayday are gonna do all the cool stuff because every time she got in trouble it was like her screaming and stuff um they scoop her up with a blimp how does that work <laughs> It's like, <laughs> it's like in every other scene, the sound, the blip sounds like because it's, it's so loud. Going, and, and she just sneak up on her. What is going on with that? She's blonde. I uh, I thought it was weird that she was like, like her house is like a southern plantation house, like a fucking mansion. Yeah, and she she has like kind of a vague southern accent. They're in fucking California. California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Just schizophrenic. I don't know. And maybe um, she moved, I guess. I don't know. I guess, yeah. Her house is really empty, too. It was, I know she said, like, I had to sell my stuff yeah. because I'm in a lawsuit. I'm like, eh, I mean, how much stuff did you really have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think something was, they were, like, losing money, becoming poor. That's why there was no furniture or something. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Basically, I don't give a shit. Um, the other chick that was in the film, the Russian chick, why can they couldn't get Triple X to come back? I don't even care if you get the same person. It kind of seemed like they were implying that that's kind of what they wanted, and then they couldn't do it, so they had to make a new person and a new like, oh, when we ran into each other in wherever they said. Why couldn't it just be a different Triple X? Just like how Roger Moore's different James Bond. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah, because it's like the Russians, the KGB is like it kind of makes sense, but they didn't go with that. Uh, and he's talking to that guy in San Francisco from the FBI or something. Like, what a missed opportunity to have Felix from the CIA. Yeah. You know? I will say, I think a reason why they didn't put Felix is because they wanted to keep Felix, Felix a character. Because every time, like, Bond was working with somebody, like, Mayday just, like, fucking uh, slit their throats uh, or killed them. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, one in the, the car wash area. And then the... Uh, what was the guy, other guy's name? The Asian of Lee, something Lee. Yeah, she killed a guy in a car twice. Yeah, the first one was way better though because it was the car wash, and then you, you see like the brushes doing the shit. And that that is really there. cool because you like see the silhouette come up, and you don't know who it is, but you can assume. And then later, there's the payoff when Bond is trying to get in the car. Yeah. So, <laughs> the plot. I, I love where he like throws the microchips on the table and like. <laughs> the fucking model thing comes up. It's really dramatic and cool and interesting. Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. And I got to point out too, he didn't, as a Bond villain, he didn't explain his whole fucking plan to him or anything. That yeah. never happened. Bond had to figure it out. Yeah. So, hey. <laughs> so explain to me Mayday turning face. Because was it Zorn because- betrays her and kills her buddies her multinational lady henchman buddies god it's so fucking dumb <laughs> there was like why like mayday makes sense because he's like also fucking her but also she's like training him to fight and she's a bodyguard and she's an assassin but then also there's the other women they're like there when they're gonna like set fire at town hall in san francisco and they're also like chasing Bond through the caves and stuff, and they don't have a single line of dialogue, and then they yeah. just drown. And it's it's to motivate Mayday to like turn face, like you say. You gotta what have is- a multinational, multi ethnic group of babes to be your bodyguards. 
I, I just want to point out also, um, you know, how to capture Bond. They just put him on a horse and pretty much uh, had, had all the gadgets and stuff, pretty much. Like, that whole scene made me just feel retarded. And I was like, I get where they were going and with the microchips and everything, but that was what really long. What really pushed it over the top was like, oh, okay, he has little funny controls and his bullshit. It's like, that's, that's a little much. Mm-hmm. But then... Like, I feel like if this is a Connery movie, they would have done something way more clever. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then with all the guys, just like 20 guys on horses just come up and it turns into road rash with fucking horses. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Now, I'll give you one one reason why that actually does happen. It leads to a pretty cool action sequence. Like, I like that part. I like them being on horseback. Yeah. I, th- I it's something they haven't really done and like i talked about before like they're running out of like uh, another underwater fight another car chase another this another that this movie does a pretty cool job of um it has the stuff on horseback which i find really interesting and i do really like the climactic fight on top of the golden gate bridge like as dumb and comic booky as it is it's kind of exciting and it makes the movie poster look really cool yeah also, I also like the opening uh, sequence in this movie. I like most of it, except when the Beach Boy starts playing. Oh, that was the only thing. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then it just stops. And we forgot to bring up before. <laughs> I can't remember which of the other two movies it was. There's like that dumb out of place. He swings on vines and it does the Tarzan yell. It's Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I think that was Octopussy. Yeah, I fucking hate it. Ugh. That was bad. I feel the same way because this one, it starts out, they're skiing and there's Russians shooting at him. Classic 007. This is cool. Like, it's already happened two or three times, kind of. But it's still exciting. It's I like, thought, what's I doing? Oh, we found a thing. The, the and, action, and, then, and then, like, the helicopter blows up his little ski thing and it's exciting. And then yeah. it plays fucking was California Girls by the Beach Boys yeah. and, he, and he snowboards. And and my heart on dies, and it never comes back because now I, I can't get a heart anymore. This movie ruins me. <laughs> if it so, just didn't have that song, it would have been fine. It would have been kind of cool. Like he's yeah. improvising, yeah. But no, that's so stupid. And then so, they go away in that iceberg that looks really bad. Like what a terrible <laughs> prop. And then it has a diesel sound. It just sounds like uh, a diesel engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fuck? So I, I kind of. It's like the scene starts so great and it ends just like <laughs> it ends with that sound. So I kind of want to bring up what you were talking about in the past Roger Moore films. Remember when he opens up the parachute, shows the English flag, and then there was another movie. There was an English flag in the fucking glacier. The hatch door showed the British flag as well. And I'm just like, you're a fucking spy. You're supposed to be yeah. covert. Why are you showing your country that you're doing this? Why yeah, what, if, be- what if those Russians saw it? Yeah, they'd be like, oh. I Duh. mean, they assume because he's grabbing stuff off that dead British spy, but it's still yeah. dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I guess we could talk about pretty much the end scene with Zoran dies. Or it, it, there's other things we could talk about, but I kind of want to talk about it. About one of my least favorite scenes in all the um, the the Roger Moore movies, and it's not because it's the worst; it's because I get so frustrated because there's some really good stunt work in it, and it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. The fucking chase through San Francisco where he drives a fire truck. Yeah, 
what is going on? And the like it the, the movie frames the police as the bad guys. Is this the motherfucking Blues Brothers? <laughs> like I can hear Blues Brothers music when like the bridge goes up and the cars are all wrecking at each other, and I can hear a guy be like, "Oh, they broke my watch" or whatever. Like, ah, it's so annoying because like some of the stunt work where he's hanging from the ladder. Yeah, I don't know what that stuntman is, but that stuntman whips ass. That's awesome. But in the context of a James Bond movie, get out of here with this. I hate it. it. It's another instance in one of these movies where like for 10 to 20 minutes, it turns into a different movie. I yes. felt like I was watching a different movie. Yes, big time. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's I, I mean, I understand like the policemen make easy bad guys and everything, but a, a policeman is a bad guy in a James Bond movie. It's so bizarre. It's just, I don't know. I noticed the editing was kind of lazy in this one because every time the stunt uh, person for Roger Moore is like, it's clearly not Roger Moore. And I understand, like, probably doing something crazy like that, it's going to be hard to get a camera angle where you don't see a face. But there's ways to hide it because I was like, that, cl- <laughs> that they forgot to fix that and then he forgot to fix that. Um, so that was kind of, it, it's, it's nothing. You can ignore it in a movie. Um, the but- most egregious friggin edit cut they did was when he was in mayday's room and then she gets in bed with him i there must have been like accidental nudity or something when they filmed and they didn't catch it and in the editing room they're like shit we didn't get another shot of this we're gonna have to because it jumps so weird from when she like grabs the sheet and then oh bam she's just next to it (laughs) i was like what the fuck okay And I think this is, I mean, we started to see Roger more and like how he deals with women uh, in his movies where it's just like instant sex. Uh, but that scene in general was weird to me because when she was like, she she knows he, he's in bed, uh, gets Zoran out of there. And then she like walks into the room, takes off her clothes right away. Isn't and that I'm how like, you deal with women? Just instant sex? I mean... And just break into their room and be naked when they get home. You'll get sex every time. They have no choice but to fucking do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that he's like, I'm ready for you to take care of me personally. And she like looks at Zoran, who Bond can't see, and he's like, I don't know, fuck him, I guess. Bye. And he just leaves. (laughs) 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 Oh god. What if she just did MMA moves and just snapped his neck? Like, you she could. could. Yeah. Yeah, she kind of put him into like a some type of hole before they had sex. Um, but uh, what, one other thing I wanted to bring up Roger Moore was really fucking old in this film. Like, He's 57. Yeah. And it really, really shows uh, <laughs> to the point where I'm like, man, that woman could be her his grandchild that he's having sex <laughs> with. <laughs> like he was still looking pretty all right in the 70s up till about like moonraker is when i noticed he was starting to look a little old yeah because like he, he got kind of got a late start in this franchise i think he was like 45 or a little older than that when he did live and let die yes. well i i heard and, he got botox and he removed his mold on his face oh so. and then but you also got to think too. Pierce Brosnan was in his forties when he started, but he didn't really look like it. No, Pierce Brosnan did not look like he was in his forties when he started. No, mm. but Roger Moore does. <laughs> he started getting old in entrapment. Wait, wait, no, that's, that's Sean Connery. That's Sean, 
What's the Sean Connery movie? How dare there's, you confuse the two? No, 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 no. no. There's a there's a movie that has a similar fucking thing with the same woman in it. Whatever. Anyway, um, so the ending scene where uh, Zoran is hanging from the Golden Gate Bridge and uh, again, this is the '80s. Kind of looks all right. The uh, you know obvious green screen that you see. There's there's some like egregious rear screen projection in this movie, but overall, I think the uh, the the Golden Gate sequence gets out of it pretty good. I fucking love that shot. That's like looking straight down the thing, and you can see like ships going under the bridge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know Bond and the woman in the foreground, or Bond and Zorn fighting in the foreground. Those are really good shots. Yeah, the one where I was going with it is I like the part where Zoran kind of like smiles uh, and then dies. Pretty he much. was like laughing when he knew he was going to die. He's like, I guess I'm done. And he fucking falls off. Oh, and I kind of want to bring this up because I don't know if you noticed this while you were watching, but was Christopher Walken's lips moving with the the audio because did they like reshoot it or re-record his lines did he go all walking probably and they had to like reshoot it i didn't notice but i wouldn't be surprised either yeah i didn't really notice anything like that either on him it was especially in the conference room where he uh was talking about silicon valley uh Mm -hmm. and i noticed his lips were weird and he wasn't talking like christopher walken it was like normal and i wonder if they're just like dude you just you're talking way too slow change i could see john glenn constantly the director constantly be like cut quit talking like a weirdo this is never gonna catch on you're gonna ruin our movie but he is a weirdo (laughs) yeah he's a weirdo his character is a weirdo yeah yeah but um other than that it was it was a decent movie um i i i think there's better movies uh above a view to a kill but uh yeah we'll see anything, you're sick <laughs> yeah anything else you guys want to talk about this movie did we miss anything it's it's okay this is uh this is a movie of extremely high peaks and extremely low valleys again no pun intended because it's about the destruction of silicon valley but i it's just when it's good, it's it's some of the best Roger Moore, and when it's bad, it's some of the best examples of why the Roger Moore movies don't work for me. Mm-hmm. Zach, what about you? Um, I liked it uh, decently. Uh, yeah, I did have a few issues with some of the things that happened in it, some of the silliness. Um, I feel like this could have been better. I I don't like something with the script or whatever there was just things that weren't firing with like the rest of the plot like that stuff in the beginning with the fucking horse breeding didn't really have anything to do with anything i feel like in these movies they have a harder time trying to connect the bond girl to the rest of the plot and this is like sort of another example of that yeah it's like they had a plot and then they were like wait there needs to be like some pretty blonde girl that he porks oh i'll write something yeah yeah and uh, I don't know. Though. Walking kind of helps helps make the movie a little bit more bearable. And yeah, Grace Jones is cool. Yes. Oh, and uh, Q was being an old pervert going he into this. Was being a pervert, dude. He was looking no, for Bond. He was looking, looking for, for he was, he was looking for, 
he was looking for Bond, right? He doesn't know where he's at, so he goes into this lady's fucking bathroom. What if Bond wasn't there? Well, he was stairs. He saw a trail of women's clothing and was like, "Oh, there he is, Jesus Christ!" And then he goes in. He, he drives his little fucking drone in there, and then he's like disgusted slash annoyed because he's in the bathroom. These movies can't figure out what they want Q to be. Like Q is best. When it's 007, we need you to go do this thing, and there are Russians and there's bad guys. Go talk to Q. He's going to give you some some new bullshit. And they talk to Q, and there's like one scene where there's some really good, well-written jokes and puns, and <laughs> grow up 007, and then he leaves. Like, I love Q and everything. But in Octopussy, they gave him like all that busy work, and he's like fishing and like watching the island. And now in this one, he's in a Winnebago, and he's like, <laughs> he's like on the road with his spy robot. He's, he was a war driver. <laughs> I think they wanted to show like technologies rising in the eighties and like fucking he has this Computers. robot thing. I assume they built the robot and they're like, Yeah, we're gonna use this for the next movie. And then like the screenwriter was like, uh uh no. And they're like, Yes, I sign your checks. Oh shit. <laughs> All right. Um I think it's time to do our ranking. Um, I'll do mine, uh, then Andy will do his, and then Zach, you do yours, and then we'll do the final ranking. Uh, so I'll go from seven all the way to number one. So number seven, I have Octopussy. Number six, I have Moonraker. Number five, I have a View 2 A Kill, even though I put a View 2 Kill. <laughs> uh, number four, I have Live and Let Die. Number three, For Your Eyes Only. Number two, The Spy Who Loved Me. And then number one, The Man with the Golden Gun. Andy, what about you? Um, The child in me is really upset because I would not have ranked him this way when I was young. But hey, I'm an adult now. Moonraker is last at number seven. Um, Then Octopussy at six. A View to a Kill at five. Love and Let Die right in the middle at four. The Spy Who Loved Me at 3, For Your Eyes Only at 2, and I also have Man with a Golden Gun at number 1. Zach, what about you? Okay, I have Octopussy at 7, View to to a Kill at 6, Live and Let Die at 5, Moonraker at 4, For Your Eyes Only at 3, The Man with the Golden Gun at 2, and The Spy Who Loved Me at 1. Oh. You're the one that is like the uh, wild card in this one. Me and Andy only have, I think, uh, he put. I got, I got to hear why you raked Moonraker so low and put Octopussy above it. I got to hear a compelling argument for that. I just, maybe it's because I watched <laughs> it too much as a kid, but it's just, it's so, it was the only one where I caught myself dicking off on my phone when we were watching it. I was just. I don't know. It's fine, but the whole James Bond in space thing is like outrageously far fetched. And that's, you know, it's okay. These movies are full of far fetched nonsense, 100%. But it's just a personal thing. Like, Moonraker okay. is probably a better. Moonraker has a tighter script than Octopussy. That's for sure. That's my yeah. biggest thing against Octopussy. The biggest black mark is it's borderline boring. But it's just like the finale on like the train when they're fighting an octopusy and then like the shit with the circus and the knife thrower, that's more fun to me than like fucking lasers and jaws is there with a little blonde girl. It's weird. 
Uh, I actually well, a, lot, a lot of villains turn face in the the Roger Moore movies. They do. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like after you get past all the bullshit in Moonraker, uh, when you get to the space station and everything, um, or the space city, I should say. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Octopussy from beginning to end, I fucking hated. Uh, I did not like that movie. That That's the movie where I was multitasking and like looking at websites while that movie was on in the background. Like, yeah, I mean, we can, we can put Octopussy at seven. I, you're not going to get any argument out of me. That is perfectly okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So number six, Zach, what did you have at number six? A view to a kill. Yeah. All right. All right. So we have Moonraker versus to a view to a kill. Is that where's your ranking at? Is there a way we can see it while we're doing this so we don't have to keep saying, oh, where's your whatever? <laughs> yeah, hang on. I'll, pu- I'll put it in there. Just to, just to speed things along. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're wondering why I rank Moonraker so high. I guess, in comparison to these other things. <laughs> because lasers! Also, yeah. Aztec Temple. Yeah, there was Atari lasers. Um, there were, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, honestly, it's just because it was just so fucking bombastic and ridiculous. Um, it, it, it's pretty different, at least. I'll give it that. Yeah. Here's right. mine. We're waiting to see where he puts it. Oh, there he goes. Oh, even he have his review there. That's cool. I score everything I watch. <laughs> he gave fucking Octopussy a 5 out of 10. Nice. Uh, all right. So, A View to Kill, and you have Moonraker at number 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, why why A View to Kill so low compared to Moonraker? Um, because it's there's certain parts of that movie really fall flat and it's it's inconsistent like andy was saying it peaks and valleys a lot moonraker's kind of dull for like the first quarter or a third whatever you want to call it but after that it gets moving pretty good um and it's uh i don't know james bond is going to space and there's a space war <laughs> and it's like I, I understand if you don't like that because it's because of what it is but to me, it was just, it was, I had fun watching it. Is it the best Bond movie? No. <laughs> Not no. by a mile. All right. So, Andy, I don't know if you want to object to this. I'm willing, because that, that sounds like a compelling argument, because there is peaks and valleys, no pun intended, like Andy said, uh, with the storyline. Like I said, there was only two things that I kind of liked about the movie. It was the theme uh, and Zoran, pretty much. Uh, I think that's what pretty much made me entertained throughout the uh, the movie, and then some things here and there. Um, so, Andy, should we concede a view to a kill at number six, but then Zach is going to have to concede Moonraker at number five? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, like I said, Moonraker is probably better than I'm giving it credit for. But as far as our personal lists go, that's just my personal feeling. I'll say I'll say one more thing about View to a Kill is that uh, after you just said all that dubs was, yeah I think the biggest problem with it is it, it can't get momentum, it just seems like it's always it's starting to do something and then something happens and you're just uh, for a while you're kind of waiting on something to happen. The later, later Roger Moore movies very much suffer. I think I don't I wasn't in the writers' room. I don't know the screenwriter personally or anything, but 
Octopussy View to a Kill, especially, but as well as um, as well as some of the others. Eventually, it felt like they were like, well, what what we have what haven't we done? We haven't done something on horseback. Okay, we're gonna have to get some horses in there. And they like write the, they write the movie around ideas to to put in a movie, and they're like. Which books haven't we used? We'll bastardize a couple tiny elements and stick them in there. And then also we'll have a fire truck in San Francisco. And also we'll have an island where a bunch of lady thieves live. Like, that sounds like a note from a producer. Oh, what if there's a bunch of thieves and, and they're, they've all got boobies? <laughs> hey, is, is, this, is this one based off of any book or any short story? I forgot to ask that earlier. They stole the title from a short story, but I'm pretty sure it has fuck all to do with the story. It's... It seems like, yeah, they just like, let's steal the title and just not use anything from the plot. I think a Vito Kill is about like a sniper doing something. Yeah, wow, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> in this one, it's just like they're in a blimp, and sh- and and Grace Jones is like, "What a view!" And Christopher Walken is like, "To a kill." It's like out of here. <laughs> I see Peter Griffin standing up in the theater. Oh, he said the name of the movie. <laughs> so Zach, are you conceding Moonraker to number five because your Moonraker is a little higher than ours? Um. Yeah, I I can do that. I mean, we'll have. To, I guess we'll have to talk about live live and let die. Seems like everybody liked it a little more. Again, just because it's a personal list, but live and let die. Just I have more nostalgia for, and like I read the book, and I just kind of like like that one. <laughs> also, it's it's it's, uh, it's unique in a lot of the same ways that Moonraker is. It does a lot of stuff the other movies don't. It's like instead of James Bond goes to space, it's James Bond goes into a black movie. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we talked about it before. A lot of James Bond plots in the late 70s, early 80s are reactionary. Moon, mm-hmm. Moonraker was directly reactionary to Star Wars. Yep. And similarly, uh, Live and Let Die is reactionary to, to black cinema. I was I was talking to one of my friends before I started watching this movie tonight. Um I was telling them like it's like they just dropped James Bond movie, James Bond to a black exploitation movie, and that, that's what it is. And even though like the book is not really like that, I guess not, not terrible. He's still like, like you can tell that Ian Fleming had had a bit of a love affair with some black culture stuff because a lot of stuff Bond does go to Harlem, and like I said, there's a longer conversation with Mister Big, and he's in a jazz club, and I think there's some dialogue about appreciation of jazz and some other things, and he does go to the the Caribbean. But it's it's structured a lot more. So it doesn't go back and forth all over the goddamn place. Bond's in London, then he's in New York, then he's in New Orleans, then he's in the Caribbean, then the plot ends. It does makes it feel, does it feel as like look at this look at this cracker here in Harlem? <laughs> does it does, does that feeling come across in the book ever? Sort of, yeah. I mean, it, it's still. I think there's still a network of Mr. Big spies. The movie did a really good job of conveying that because it's like the shoe shiner and the 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 taxi driver and everyone else has got their little radio. And so always oh, he's, he's at the corner or whatever and whatever. That was my, my biggest hangups with that movie was just how everybody kept getting one up on him so much to like such a ridiculous degree, in my opinion. Well, they got to establish that there's, there's risk. Cause yeah. it, it would be really easy to be like, ah, oh, James Bond is going up against some black gangsters. No problem. They're, they're nothing. So the movie had to be like, no, you don't understand. Like they've got their shit together. They're dangerous. They're murderers. They, they easily get the upper hand on him, like right off the bat and almost kill him. 
Like, they have to establish stakes, and I do like that about it. Like some of the other movies, the only reason they're stakes is because it's like, well, this guy's rich, and know, he's got a bunch of horses and microchips, <laughs> so he's dangerous, I guess. Yeah. Rich but people really, are dangerous. There's not there's not a point where where Christopher Walken is like, oh, I've surprised you, and then he's got like a gun in his in his kidney, and he's like, you're coming with me, bitch. I think with um, Living Let Die, uh, I kind of like the whole organized crime kind of thing. How they were, were like pretty much getting one up on Bond because again, again, and I used this term before. It's very urbanized Bond film. And it's different, uh, and I think yeah. that's what I think that's what I liked. About it. I think the only thing I kind of hated about it was the the voodoo stuff that was going on. Yeah, it really muddies like, like I don't get it. So magic's real in the James I, Bond universe. I don't. I guess cool. in that movie it was. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I uh, I guess my the thing that hangs me up on it is it just made me think of Spectre all the time and how even Spectre could not even really get him like that i'm just like i don't know maybe that's not fair but i mean james bond didn't go down to specter town he didn't like (laughs) specter town where wherever specter is i also didn't really like solitaire that much i thought she was one of the weaker yeah in the book they spend a lot more time together i think they're in a train from new york to new orleans or something and a bunch of plot stuff happens i think i I might be misremembering it but like to me she had like probably the weakest personality and didn't do that much yeah so here's my question to you zach what would you put at number four i mean me me and andy kind of outnumber you would live and let die at number four but what would you put in a number four slot for a final well i'm i'm willing to put that above moonraker because it's i i guess would you say that that live and let die is more iconic than moonraker i think today it was but i think thanks to like the GoldenEye video game and a few other things, I think. And Jaws, Moonraker now is more iconic, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, in the interest of fairness, I'm willing to. In my personal opinion, I enjoyed Moonraker even more than than that movie. Okay, not by much, but yeah. I mean, they're neck to neck since it's four and five. So yeah. All right, so our top three, so. Zach has The Spy Who Loved Me at number one. Me and Andy have The Man with the Golden Gun at number one. But your number three is For Your Eyes Only. And mine is For Your Eyes Only. And Andy, yours is The Spy Who Loved Me. So I guess the debate right now is The Spy Who Loved Me versus For Your Eyes Only. Why did you put that there? It's so outrageously close. Like, I can concede this one easily. I like both of them because I think of all of the Roger Moore movies, Spy Who Loves Me and For Your Eyes Only are the two that get James Bond the closest to being right. And I know how pretentious that sounds, but they're the two that feel like a spy movie. They don't feel like James Bond in a black movie. They don't feel like James Bond in space. They don't feel like a bunch of other bullshit. They actually feel like spy movies. It feels like, you know, submarines but both of them deal with a submarine thing but they both they both feel like a cold war uh ticking clock uh east versus west kind of story yeah so i like those two a lot like the next 
Rod, next time I watch a Roger Moore James Bond movie, uh, I would bet it's going to be one of those two. Even though I put Man with a Golden Gun at number one, I think it's going to be one of these two because they're they're so James Bondy and they're both like really entertaining. They're both fairly consistent throughout. Like we, we had gripes about both of them, obviously. And uh, you know, Man with a Golden Gun is is great. I like that movie a lot. I like the acting in it a whole lot from Christopher Lee and others. And and uh, the guy who plays Nick Nack and stuff like that, but these these two are probably the best of the Roger Moore movies. I think. I think so. So it came down to chemistry uh, with me with the spy uh, who loved me above for your eyes only. Uh, the girl who plays Melina in for your eyes only was very boring. She didn't have any charisma. She didn't. I mean, I guess she was trying to be pissed off because her parents died. Um, but, but other than that, I was just like, she shows no emotion in any of her uh, scenes. Yeah, uh, I felt like her acting was a little weak, but I did like that she was actually like murdering people. Yeah, she takes a proactive. <laughs> she's a, a lot of uh, the Bond women like. Bond and his story happens into them. It almost feels like Bond happens into her story halfway yeah. through. The movie. Yeah, it kind of does. Um, I really like the Spy Who Loved Me more because of Barbara Batch as uh, Major Anya. Uh, I can't say the last name, but pretty much Triple X Agent Triple X. Um, I don't know. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, throughout that movie. It was hilarious seeing the chemistry between, you know, British and Russia. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of and I'm not comparing it because I don't I don't think Roger Moore d- deserves to be be compared to Connery in any way. Um, <laughs> but from Russia with love, I kind of had like the same vibes with that a little bit with the chemistry. But that's about it. Like nothing with the movies, just the chemistry of you know two agents getting together uh so and and obviously i think jaws was uh comically good in this when especially when he's beating up the vehicle and tearing it apart like it's a banana peel he was more scary in that one yes agree a thousand fold yeah like he was actually kind of like oh i still remember where he's in the they're in the train and then like he's in the car with them all of a sudden there's like that sting it's like, oh, um, shit, that actually kind of got me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I, I like that better. So I, I, in my opinion, and it's up to you, Andy, if you still want to fight it, but I, I I, think For Your Eyes Only should be at number three. Okay, that's fine. Oh, that's it. that was easy. <laughs> no, like I said, For Your Eyes Only and Spy Who Loved Me, they both have a lot of the same pluses. So, I mean, for me, the, the difference in score would be a decimal point. Okay, so Zach has to plead his case right now for the spy who loved me versus the man with the golden gun. Okay. So I really like the outside of the villain in the spy who loved me being kind of like weird and a little lame. Very lame. Yeah, very, I should say. The main draw in that movie to me is uh, the two of them working together, the stuff with Russia and all that. Like it's kind of, it has an interesting gimmick. It has a lot more of uh general Gogol in it too. He's, he's, he's my favorite recurring character in the, in the uh, Roger Moore movies. 
yeah, I grew to kind of like him, like when he would show up and stuff. Uh, every time he showed up, I'm like, oh, hey, there he is, and he he's doing something. Um, but uh, there was a lot of cool action sequences. I loved the fucking car in it, you know. The, the I like the the chase with the car and then the helicopter. That chick's in the helicopter trying to kill them. Like that that really stood out to me. <laughs> um, it's just the the only problem with it's just that villain. But um, the thing about Man with a Golden Gun is I kind of felt the plot was a little mediocre. But the thing that saves it is Christopher Lee. If he wasn't in that movie, just imagine that how that would be. If it was somebody else, I mean, as long as he gets to do a lot of the same stuff, his presence in that character is still what makes that character so really great. But yeah. there's a lot of good moments. Like he loves that mausoleum so much. Put him in it. Yeah, it was great. Like he <laughs> delivers it great, but it's still a great character moment, no matter who would have been in that place. Yeah. And that was another thing with him too, was like his, like I, his motivation was he wanted to try to kill fucking James Bond, but he stole that weird Solaris thing. And it seemed like he just like, I have it because I, I just obtained it. And that he was, was going gonna to auction it off to someone, countries, yeah. China. I don't know. Money basically. Yeah. Money. I mean, he's an assassin for a hire. Of course his motivation is money. But also, he's, like, cocky and wants the ultimate, like, oh, Bond's here. I'm going to show that I'm better than Bond. Because you got to remember, he didn't actually set out to get James Bond. It was the woman who sent the bullet and all that nonsense. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, ultimately, that's what it came down to. He yeah. came to his island. He's like, you're here. Now we can have our face off. Yeah. yeah it, 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 it's a duel between professionals. and I kind of wish it, more of the movie was just him trying to get him. You know? Yeah, uh, like if that had been the initial motivation, it might have been better. But if it had been, he has like two or three good opportunities to kill James Bond. So yeah, <laughs> I still like I still like this movie pretty well. Um, it's just it, the the spy who loved me kind of surprised me at how much I liked it. It's just that that villain is just bleh. as good as the finale to Man with the Golden Gun is. I think the spy who loved me has the best finale and i'm calling finale the gunfight not all the bullshit on the 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 league of bad guys from super friends that's that's stupid we're not doing that i'm talking about when they free all the sub crews and there's the big machine gun fight inside the super tanker that's what i'm talking about the duel between scaramanga and bond is still legendary but i think Mm -hmm. I'll, i'll give it to you that spy love me had had a cooler big fight because man with the golden gun doesn't have a lot about that it's a lot of small moments it's a lot of person and person moments which makes a lot more sense for a spy movie but at the same time spy who loves me has its cake and eats it too because it's got a lot of great spy moments but it also has that big gun fight yeah the intrigue in gold gun might be a little better yeah but spy who love me has both oh. zach is making good points but I, I think a villain makes a Bond movie in the end. I think in this era particularly, like we're talking about like the comic book era of Bond. Like everything's got to be set pieces and larger than life characters. And man, Scaramanga beats whatever his name was in Spy Who Loved Me. I don't even fucking remember his name. Schomburg. Schomburg, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I'll always remember Scar Scaramanga. Because I, 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 I just dig the part where he's just like, I want to be better than you. Like, that's my goal. Yeah. I mean, he's got so many, like, like I said, he loves that mausoleum. Put him in it. I love when they're eating dinner and he's like fucking around with his cigarette case and then the camera's on him again. He's just like got a gun on Bond and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I like before they, they have their face off, they're like, let's have some lunch. Like, he was like nonchalant about that. Um, and he was also oh, nonchalant. Yeah. And he's also nonchalant about like, showing off the weapon that he got. He's like, I could just fucking kill you, but I just want to do it this way. I know what's going to give Man with the Golden Gun the edge, though, is uh, it's got... Wait, I hope I'm not confusing movies here. Yeah, no, it's the, that's the right one. It's got uh, uh, Sergeant J.W. Pepper in it, and they go over a course crew in an AMC Javelin, and it's badass. That was fucking cool, but <laughs> fucking... Come on, that's like one of the best stunts in these movies. I'm oh like, yes, for sure. It's practical too. They did that. They jumped that car over a course group. <laughs> There's a lot of really impressive car stuff in these movies. Mm -hmm. I'm good at that. All and I think, and I think this film, um, because Andy, you were talking about how, uh, you know, what was the other fucking movie? Uh, Fool Your Eyes Only was like a traditional Bond movie. Yeah. The nice. first three, the first three Bond movies was. Uh, they were evolving into what it was going to become like a joke. Uh, and I think the man with the golden gun kind of kept it Bond-esque, in my opinion, compared to uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. I think The Spy Who Loved Me uh, is going to be a, a formula in the newer Bond movies. With uh, <laughs> I'm always going to fuck up his name. Braz? Brosnan. Brosnan, there we go. There's an extra N in there you don't expect. Yeah, so I think, you know, The Spy Who Loved Me, you get some of that formula in, in those movies, except for one, one that is terrible. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, but, like, I enjoyed The Spy Who Loved Me, but I, The Man with the Golden Gun, I think if I was sitting down and somebody's like, I really want to watch a Roger Moore movie, like, The Man with the Golden Gun is coming, you know, first out of my mouth, out of the seven. And then maybe if they don't want to see Christopher, like if for some strange reason, somebody's a, a hater of Christopher Lee. I don't know who would be. He's trying to be a Nazi granddad in World War II. I don't like him. <laughs> uh, then I would say the spy who loved me. But I, I think I'm going to hold my ground for the man with the golden gun at number one. Unless, Zach, you have more points that you think would be for number one. No, nah, I, I pretty much made my case for and somewhat against Man with a Golden Gun, but just for the sake of criticism, not because fuck that movie. Yeah. And uh, Andy, are you still sticking the Man with the Golden Gun at number one? Did you change? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Zach had me convinced for a minute, but then I convinced myself back. Fuck. Okay. I was about to change <laughs> too, but then, eh, man, you just the mono and mono. Uh, it's, it's so cool. And it is cool. There's like a boat into a car into a plane chase. Mm, it's pretty James Bondy. I like all the the top three in my list. Like I would be like, yeah, watch those. Mm -hmm. Anything beneath that, that starts getting eh, that. That depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm somewhere and I need to kill some time, and any of these seven movies came on TV, I'd be like, yeah, I'll sit here and watch this. I don't care. Maybe not Octopussy, but hey, I'd watch it. <laughs> you want to see, see my Octopussy again someday? 
You want to see Bond exploit black people? Watch Live and Let Die. But, he didn't uh, exploit them. Uh, whatever. <laughs> if you want uh, to see Roger Moore literally turn into a clown before your eyes, you watch Octopussy. Oh, God. <laughs> That's why I'll have to watch it again. I'll have to get that screen, ga- screen grab. Oh, yeah. And the reason why I had Octopussy at number seven is because of the stupid scene with Blo- Blofeld um, being in the beginning. Oh, God. Yeah, that's oh, fucking yeah. stupid, too. Yeah, that's mm. like that's one of the lowest points of the entire franchise. We ranted about it for like 10 minutes. It's the worst. <laughs> it's just yeah, the worst. He killed his wife, and let's just kill him off in about a minute. Because director, yeah, because director's like, ah, we did it. Fuck off. He got revenge. <laughs> All right, so this is the final list, and I will repeat it. At number seven, Octopussy. At number six, A View to a Kill. Number five, Moonraker. Number four, Live and Let Die. Number three, For Your Eyes Only. Number two, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number one, The Man with the Golden Gun. So we are done with Roger Moore, and it's funny that we're going back to an actor who, you know, I said I'm all 007 now, but we're not doing 007 anymore. We are... Uh, in honor of Sean Connery's passing, um, we are going to be doing a Connery Christmas. Now, we're going to do it with a twist because uh, I kind of want to keep the tradition of Christmas movies. So we're going to do a Connery movie and we're going to do a Christmas movie. And how we rank it, we will discuss that later uh, in the later episodes until we get there. Uh, but we are going to watch it. And Zach is up first. So what is your Connery and what is your Christmas movie? The Connery movie is The Hill. He's like in a uh, POW camp during World War II. And then the other, and he's trying to escape. The other one is Black Christmas, which is, uh, there's a, it takes place during Christmas and there's these girls at a sorority house and this, they have an unexpected guest mm. enter their home during Yuletide. Santa Claus? Maybe. And I, and I, I think last year you did a, horror movie christmas movie so it, it, we're gonna keep their tradition of zach doing horror movies in, in december i'm cheating i always like to cheat and get a horror movie in nice uh you'll hear you know mine and andy's picks later on but let's get through zach's movie so remember the hill yeah let's we... get through my movies yeah, let's get him out of the way yeah let's, let's just... fucking get this over with fucking sean Cuttery. because fucking let's get this done with uh, but yeah, watch The Hill, and then Black Christmas, and then get back to us, and we'll discuss it. Um, there is no news, unless you want to say that Ellen Page put on a hat and changed her name, and now she can't came out as transgender. Good for her, or him, whatever. Um, no other news, besides next-gen system, and there's still rumblings of Nintendo Switch Pros happening which they've been saying that forever now. Yeah, I remember they were saying it before, and then like the Switch Lite came out, and it was like, oh, wow, good job, guys. You really broke, broke the, and the a, chain on that one. And apparently there's stronger rumors that somehow Konami and Hideo Kojima are just teaming up one more time for Silent Hills. Yeah, there's rumors have started to recirculate again. Yeah, so... Maybe if that's if that's gonna happen, then I don't know if it's gonna same it's gonna capture the same moment as PT. Uh, you know, you know, Konami's very fucky. 
So he could still he, they could still screw around. And there's also rumors of Metal Gear Solid uh, remake getting made by the people who did Demon Souls remake for PlayStation Five Blue Point. So who knows? And that's the only news I have here. And I think that's where we'll end it. Unless you guys have anything else you want to bring up. Judging nope. by the, judging by the silence, no. No, not. I mean, eh, no. all right guys if you want to catch more of big trouble little podcast or if you want to catch getting some color which we are going to be recording thursday brother uh because because there's a lot of brothers going on in this episode brother you better tune in thursday brother yeah Uh, i'm gonna talk to the man upstairs about it yeah (laughs) oh my god uh yeah that's getting some color and then the nemesis project which we will be soon doing. I forgot what date I picked, but Resident Evil 6 is on the docket finally to be done with and talked about. Uh, and what else am I trying to think right now? Oh, Accelerated Gamer. Andy, what's the uh, editing situation on that? Um, hopefully soon. I was waiting because I thought I was going to get delivery on our theme song, but I think I'm just going to say screw it and release the next episode. Okay. Cool. And if you want to catch that, if you type in Nerd Review Network on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Red Circle, you'll catch all our podcasts. And sometimes we do um, Big Trouble Podcast Plus, where we just, you know, we throw out, we threw out a Dutch Stranding episode uh, two months ago, I believe, uh, where Andy finally finished it, and we had a big discussion about it, over two hours of talking about that. And we could have talked about four hours, because there was a lot more other shit to talk about. It's hey, not maybe. even that good of a game. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> um, Next, oh, I guess this is kind of news, but I know you guys hate it anyway. The video game awards is going to happen next week, so. For what? From who? The, the, the Dorito Priest, uh, Jeff Keighley. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's always going to be funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's happening next week. Uh, I forgot what the game of the years. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima was in it, uh, and something else. That's all I know. That's I. I believe that should get the game of the year, but that's just my opinion. All right, guys, this is where we're gonna end it. Uh, remember the hill and Black Christmas. Peace out. Thanks for listening. See ya later. Brother. Bye.